0: July thirteenth, twenty twenty-one, it's a for Pedro Show. <laughs> for Pedro's show. Happy Tuesday. We started off with John Coltrane, Miles Davis doing half Nelson. Speaking of which, we lost Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorf yesterday. Uh, after that, Thomas DiMuzio with Inherent Power and the Space Between, which uh, not by any coincidence is a uh, reason why I'm not totally man alone. Brother Matt still at the Love Grotto on the Pleasure Point quarantine you know, but because those Estonian software engineers with their scant invention <laughs> I got Thomas Muzio. welcome What's up forward. Mike yeah yeah wait talk why are you talking to me from the city
1: from San Francisco yes. yeah the uh okay. the sunset covered in fog
0: oh the abs and stuff
1: the avenues
0: yeah yeah i've been there like the street signs have Chinese writing some some them
1: yeah, we do, and, and,
0: and it's only uh, like a couple of miles away from all this hustle bustle. It's so calm, and there's like garages with driveways.
1: That's right. There's uh, it feels a little uh, suburban here in the city,
0: right? And a couple uh, miles south of that is where Brother Steve ended up living in Pacifica, which is like that's almost right. a whole other world away, but it ain't that far.
1: It no, just down the uh, down the right. street.
0: PCH, right? mm-hmm Okay, let's get into your journey through music. Oh, we got to thank the brutal sound effects crew for the connect. Thank you. Much.
1: Absolutely, yeah, big Absolutely. time.
0: Okay, please bring the earliest music re- oh. mu- uh, recollection you got.
1: Oh, the earliest music recollection, man. Um, like, is as, as in hearing music or yeah, playing yeah, it? Yeah,
0: or just any kind of memory. No- No, because especially when you're real little, you ain't playing yet, but you you might have a musical experience. Now, it's a lot for Pedro show, so there's no hard questions, and there's no wrong answers. Right,
1: cool. Well, I remember as a kid, you know, hearing music on the radio, a couple of the songs that stood out were Ode to Billy Joe. Oh, yeah. uh, You know, uh, Up, Up, and Away in My Beautiful Balloon. (laughs) Fifty. These are not influences these are my first you know the first songs Yeah, that I right right playing.
0: very melody oriented probably a m radio
1: yeah right. absolutely yeah a m gold
0: and uh, uh what, what was this uh the area was it the, where you are now
1: no, i grew up in uh pittsburgh, pennsylvania
0: okay homer you know i think the fifth dimension maybe some of them were from there or something maybe. I know oh, somebody really? worked with uh, them that uh, played rhythm guitar for him, and he was from there, and oh, a wow. great great bass man, uh, uh, Paul Chambers, and Mister Roy yeah. Brown too, I think. Pittsburgh's got some good stuff, and Mister Tom of uh, these days with Black Moth Super Rainbow Tobacco great great uh in this pad you grew up was there musical mm-hmm. instruments
1: well not at first um but when i was a, a wee tyke probably around four or five years old we did get a piano and my mom uh played piano which is why we got a piano but she grew up you know with piano lessons and all that so she could read music and and you know pretty much play pop songs and things like that um so yeah when we got a piano i kind of migrated towards it
0: now what Uh, was like you just jumping on or did you have to go through the lessons thing too
1: no i just jumped on in fact my my grandparents had a piano before my parents uh got a piano so there are photos of me in a little bunny suit you know at three years old you know sitting at the piano you know playing with one finger or whatever um i kind of like you know i don't know i was migrating towards that instrument and once we did get one i continued with my maybe two finger uh technique and uh you know it all started then and there i believe well was it kind of percussive Well, at the time, I'm not even sure what it was. I was probably just, you know, messing around, hearing, you know, what the notes are and, you know, figuring out, you know, just what to do. I I would hear my mom play, so I would try to, you know, play little songs and write little songs as a kid. Oh, wow. You're already
0: trying to compose. That's great.
1: Yeah. By the time I was in, like, second third grade you know i had already had a couple songs under my belt i used to play them for my friends they kind of rock okay and uh, well, you know
0: rock and roll actually is from piano and, and actually before that with the swing bands piano was in the rhythm section that's why i asked you about the right. percussive thing because it so was the guitar it, it was we were all in the rhythm section if you weren't the horns or strings
1: <laughs> that's true right
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's trippy how things <laughs> kind of changed. Okay, you, you mentioned uh, second grade. C- can I ask you about school? Were you in the choir, the marching band or shit like that?
1: Well, I wasn't in the choir or the marching band. I, I did wind up in the school uh, band. We didn't march.
0: <laughs> oh, but, like uh, a concert band a or something, right?
1: Concert band. Yeah, I think it was third grade and uh, I asked my parents, you know, I, I wanted to play drums Ah. and my parents came back with the clarinet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Liquor stick. <laughs> Easier so to fun, carry. <laughs> yeah, didn't quite work. Work out the way I'd hoped, but um, turns out they needed clarinet players. So right. uh, I guess my parents, you know, were like, "Okay, they're a little quieter than the drums, so we'll do that."
0: Actually, there was a period in music like Artie Shaw, and I mean, it was an upfront instrument.
1: It was, yeah. It's kind of funny. The first thing I tried to do when I got my clarinet was play chords. Wow. Um, which, <laughs> I'm like, why doesn't this thing play two notes at the same time? You I, think, know, I, I do, think you can, because on a
0: sax, like John Coulter, if you overblow, you can get some overtones. You can do the multiphonics. Right, yeah, right.
1: absolutely. Yeah, but that's maybe really as, cool. as a
0: kid, that's kind of tough. Yeah, that's some advanced
1: techniques <laughs> yeah. for a third grader.
0: <laughs> can I ask you what record the first record you bought with your own money?
1: The first record I bought with my own money was actually Cheech and Chong. Chang. Uh, the record with basketball jones on it um, i think it's the wedding record i love that song as a kid hey, I, hey you,
0: don't laugh because me and Dee boone listened to those motherfuckers like over and over till we had them all memorized
1: right so it was funny you know <laughs> i'm sitting there laughing at basketball jones but there are all these drug references once my mom got wind of it she went and took the record back and Exchange it for the Monster Mash LP. Oh, wow. Bob, I had Bobby whole, Boris Pickett. Yeah, Bobby Boris Pickett. But with my mo, But with actually my own doing money, like a Boris Karloff voice. <laughs> that's right. And the Crypt Kickers <laughs> 5. That's right. Uh, that's right. Good memory. But With my first, uh, my own money, it was definitely Stevie Wonder, uh, Songs in the Key of Life.
0: Ah. I think that's one man band record.
1: Such a great record. Yeah. yeah that's Just incredible. They also had
0: a weird kind of synthesizer I found out later. The Inner vision, There's three of them. These guys. Yeah. Two guys from England, right? Uh, the uh, man, uh, Tontos Expanding
1: Malcolm. Headband or some shit. Yeah, exactly. Malcolm Cecil and I think Robert Marguloff. For a little bit, uh, it was at the
0: Mutato. You know, the Mother Bow and Jerry... Had a place, or still do, on Sunset Boulevard, and it was there, but I think it's back in England now.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, what a machine that is. It's
0: like a whole room, right?
1: (laughs) It's like a whole room, yeah. You're surrounded by the instrument itself. It's pretty cool.
0: (laughs) Okay, and the first gig you went and
1: saw? Gig was um, Hart and Joe Perry. Yeah, 1980. Of Wilson sisters the second gig though was just monumental I went to see Queen and we were up in the rafters and me and my buddy went down to the front of the stage after the first act played we got the First row, center stage, there were two empty seats, and we sat there the whole show. I mean, I was, like, leaning on the stage, you know, right in front of Freddie's mic stand.
0: Well, that weird and, kind of mic stand that was kind of little, right?
1: Yeah, and but it was amazing. The next day, like, I, w- I used to call and pester the DJ at uh, WDVE in Pittsburgh, uh-huh. and we became friends. And uh, so the next day, we went and had lunch with the DJ, uh-huh. Mac, and... Uh, we we're like, Max, man, we went and saw Queen. We were in the first row, you know, center stage. He's like, Tom, you were in my seats, man. And he actually had the tickets with him and the backstage pass oh, passes. Wow. And he gave them to us the next day. We were sitting in his seats. Wow, why, what, he didn't make it, he was sick, or? He was like, you know, the DJ, and the primetime DJ in Pittsburgh, so, you know, he got tickets to all the shows. Oh, it was, yeah. He just didn't go, you know, it was one of those nights or whatever. But he was like,
0: kind of on the permanent leash, because yeah, you want AirPlay, so you want the DJ, yeah, of course.
1: Yeah, could have called
0: payola or anything like that
1: Right, right But man, what an experience that was yeah. I mean, to be there, up front And, you know, with a band like Queen Was incredible
0: I saw the uh, the, the, uh Keep Yourself Alive that, Yeah uh, yeah, a Sheer Heart Attack or something I saw with Martha Hoopo, I think Oh man, uh, nice <laughs> Except the gigs, you were so far away. Except yeah. you, you were right up front. But that usually, I, yeah, I know, it's us. like
1: we're way up in the rafters. We're just like, let's just go down there and see what we can... Yeah, it was you know, the bum rush. <laughs> it was uh, really
0: great. Uh, I want to play this, you gave me the Scanners. Uh- not talking about graduating, but in the afternoon, uh, garage band, basement band, bedroom band with your buddies?
1: Yes, but that didn't happen until uh, high school, basically. Okay. Uh, I mean, I I had a couple, like, you know, in grade school, actually, I did form (laughs) a little trio that I called Black Ice, that we had one session. It was saxophone, trumpet, clarinet, and snare drum. Whoa. I would written out an arrangement for... Fleetwood Max, "The Chain."
0: Ah. <laughs> oh, man. I well, how, to, how did it
1: go down? Well, we, we you know we were a bunch of kids, so we sure. wound up just like yelling and screaming and running all around and probably jumping all over each other. <laughs> <All right.
0: laughs> kind of success. So, yeah. so uh, by the time you're in high school and you're doing these after-school bands, what are you on? Are you on piano?
1: Yeah, well, it, it, at first, unfortunately, I was on piano, an actual piano, because I didn't have a keyboard. Okay. Uh, but, they used to be. Um, so I yeah, tell
0: people they used to be really expensive. They were, and then you had to get an amp too. Right, so it right. wasn't
1: just uh, you know a keyboard. It it was a number of things. Uh, but yeah, I used to put the recorder close to the piano so I could you know so it would pick up. But none of the <laughs> other guys could hear it. Um, but eventually, I did get a, a keyboard um, for Christmas, a wireless 200A, when my uh, freshman year of uh, high school. And that's when it really started. That's when the uh, after-school bands, like, really came together. First as cover, uh, but then uh, as originals.
0: Ah, okay. So you're writing for the band on the piano, on the keyboard. Yeah, yeah. And
1: and uh, it's funny, when we were doing all the covers, I swear, I, I was picking a lot of the songs. None of them had keyboard. And, you know, <laughs> playing, like, Black Sabbath and, you know. <laughs> Well you know, friends, in a way yeah, just...
0: I th- I think Tony Naomi's playing his rhythm guitar anyway is kinda like a weird kind of organ. I mean yeah. totally. okay, A yeah. little bit of blues, but in a way it's this weird kind of gothic organ.
1: Yeah. <laughs> songs yeah, like yeah.
0: Electric Funeral and uh you know, Iron Man and stuff not your it's very trippy music, but so you know, and we didn't know how they got the songs. We didn't know about Fuzz Paddle. Yeah, right. Everybody now knows about pedals and shit, but in those days, man, it was—we thought it was some studio trick.
1: <laughs> That's right. Yeah, amazing. So, it's what? Funny. Go ahead, Tom. Oh, when I got the uh, piano, um, I got a bunch of records too for Christmas, and I had suggested them all to my parents. And one of them was Paranoid. So I'll never forget—you know—putting the needle down on side one of uh, Paranoid and hearing War Pigs. Oh yeah. So, never forget that moment you know and and that's one of the reasons why
0: also a lot of a lot of good uh, device and drama econo like just hi-hat moves and and like you know a whole step interval thing for you know like a blues thing kind of but just really smart and then that that thing at the end luke's wall oh actually the intro i use that rhythm to do my version of Funkadelic's maggot brain oh ba-boom, wow boom 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 you know a weird kind of kick drum pattern for the bass you know yeah i, I thought they were very inno- innovative guys and i found out in interviews later they were very influenced by cream especially nice. the drums and the bass but okay so you're rocking the keyboard so, so that's all right you know rock and roll comes from keyboards anyway so it's, it's strange about music and anything human, really. Uh,
1: Did this band have a name? Well, we had about 50 names, um, (laughs) you know, all like, you know, crazy. One was called The Possessed, another was Antichrist. And this was a cover band, a cover band, you know, called Antichrist. (laughs) <laughs> and we were Spitfire, and then this DJ in Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh his name was Max Maximum uh, we named the band Maximum because I'd call him up all the time and, uh, and he'd play my request I'd record it then our band would figure it out you know and I did mention to him hey man we named our band after you you know we're called Maximum and it's kind of funny because uh, he knew I was uh, having some trouble with uh, algebra class and he told me that if I passed my algebra class I could come down to the Station and be a guest DJ on a Saturday night. Wow! So I got a tutor and I passed with a D, <laughs> and he held his word and he had me down to the station, and uh, so that was just a real is great this experience. Same Max
0: who had the two seats at the yeah, same Max, oh. yeah,
1: same guy. Okay, so what a, the, what a the lesson there. People don't burn your bridges. You never know. That's right, man. You know this guy was so influential at the time. It, it was really cool. <laughs> the funny thing is when I was on the uh, on the radio as a guest dj he's like well tom tell the world the name of your band <laughs> and I was like, warlocks and he's like yeah warlocks you know I, mean, I didn't even realize he was waiting for maximum you know you had already changed the name of the band again 50 times yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. tell me but about what, the, that, what was the last like, name you guys settled on
1: well i think it was uh warlocks actually and like, what happened Warlocks like the
0: Grateful Dead, right?
1: Kind of like the Grateful Dead. Well, yeah. What was the
0: what was the first Warlocks gig like, or was well, it just a practice band?
1: It was just a practice band. What happened is the uh, the the drummer wanted to play football, so the band broke up. And then I went and joined another cover band. And then one day that cover band merged with the other cover band, and <laughs> I was out of the equation. Oh and then, fuck! Yeah. And and that's what really started original music for me. You know, I, oh, I the then cir- just the really just started the situation, the
0: circumstance.
1: Yeah, it was a weird circumstance. You know, a high school thing.
0: I know, I know. It's a lot of peer pressure and shit. Yeah. Peck and order, hierarchy. God, you sh- at least you were on keyboard. Just think of you are a bass
1: guy. <laughs> right. They were like the, that, that was the- like right field in Little League. Sure, yeah, I was a more in left field. Um, <laughs> but yeah, once we got the uh, cover band together, we we were kind of short-lived as well. We never played a gig. I mean, we were just, you know, 15 years Chargers. old and all that. But we were called Psy Chameleon. And, <laughs> and then uh, an, another project that came after that, actually, is where I started to get into improvisation. Wow. Oh. So this, this is very important, right? Yeah. So important, yeah. 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 And, you know, group improv, and that just was life-changing. Well, did you guys know about Grateful Dead? Well, not really. I wasn't so much a deadhead. Yeah, Um, me
0: either. But, in fact, people told me they improvised, and I thought it was just calm music for people that ate too much L, and so they wouldn't lose their marbles. Right. I thought, you know, if you want to trip out, you listen to, you know, the craftwork with
1: headphones on. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It was King Crimson that led me to improvisation. Ah,
0: okay. Uh, wow. But and some then, of that I'll, stuff was really structured also.
1: It is. Uh, except when you get to like Starless and Bible Black. Right, right,
0: like, right. John Wetton's like, bass sound. Oh, my God. Oh yeah! But then to see pictures of him, he's got like body shirt, air uh, blow dry hair, designer jeans. <laughs> it's all right though. It's because he he could sing great, and I just love that bass sound, especially when he toured with Roxy. That out of the blue, oh my god, Dong-ga-dong-dong. He played with a pick, you know, and had some kind of overdrive, but it was just such a
1: good. Yeah, well, he had a sound for sure. He really did. He really I hear did. he used to bust bass strings all the time.
0: Probably the attack with that pick was something else. Because, yeah. you yeah. know, I don't think it was like, you know, don't be gentle with me, or, or please be gentle with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I kind of took it for granted later on. I really got into his, he was really, also Mr. Fripp, I guess he organized the whole fucking trip. I guess they grew right. up together, and Greg Lake too, right? Yeah, Fortinet I guess so, you
1: know, um,
0: uh, well, we're at the end of the first hour. We're getting a little more into your journey. Uh, it's 21, 20, 13 July. Watch for Pedro show special guest, Thomas DiMuzio. Hold tight for hour two. July 13, 2021. 20, it's the second hour of the White for Pedro show. <laughs> A lot for Pedro show, start the second hour off. Thomas DeMuzio, Tread Murray, Fathom, Fathom six feet people. Just talking off air about this. Then we had Ben Salter in Tasmania featuring T Wilds with Moonshake. Uh, Are around a chicken or a duck uh, nearby Sydney with brother Lucas Abella. Love his stuff, and then some th- something he gave me here an excerpt. Uh, Hayes, Thomas DeMuzio. So, uh, higher education. You leave high school. Do you go uh, do a higher education thing for your music journey?
1: Well, at first, I I wanted to uh, at first for music. But, of course, you're kind of conditioned by your parents and even by the institution to choose a career. Right. Um, Right. So I did go to college, and I tried to take, like, regular classes, but that didn't work out so well. And uh, after my first semester, I just, you know, stopped taking things like trigonometry and uh, English comp and whatever, and just took every music class that the school offered.
0: And, 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 was it worthwhile?
1: It was because I knew at that time that I was going to get out of there. It was a small school called California University of Pennsylvania. Which was in the middle of like nowhere, and it was an old coal mining town in Pennsylvania that happened to have this university with about 5,000 students. uh,
0: Can I mention a movie?
1: Which movie? Deer Hunter. Oh, yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah, we're talking Deer Hunter territory. Yeah, absolutely. But what was cool about this school? It was
0: just, a guess, school, Tom,
1: it's just a guess. <laughs> I found a few people that just like stood out, you know, from the rest of the the people there, and they were, of course, musicians, and we all bonded over music. Ah, great! And my second semester there, I wound up joining a, a punk band, a hardcore band called Ninety Nine Cents, right. and uh, and that was a blast. That we actually did gig. Those were my first gigs with uh, Ninety Nine Cents. We. Played the electric banana in Pittsburgh? Yes, sorry, Johnny and like, Judy. <laughs> yeah, Johnny and Judy banana. <laughs> oh
0: man. I did many gigs there. Minute fire hose. Yeah. It was on the hill. It was in a weird part of town. It was trippy on yeah. that road.
1: Yeah. It was on stilts too to keep on it. On stilts,
0: light. right, ready to go. <laughs> oh man, that was there was, oh, I got memories of that. So so you you were you were playing there? Okay, okay. Yeah, banana. it was cool. Well, you guys must have had to
1: drive, right? You went on uh, did little yeah. tours? Well, you know, it was 90 minutes from California, Pennsylvania into Pittsburgh. So we used to all pile into the guitarist Chevy Chevette. And, oh. uh, you know, they bring a bass and a guitar. But, you know, I, I had basically, I was their drummer. And uh, so I played whatever kit was on stage from, you know, any of the other bands graciously lent me their gear. Um, you didn't own a no, drum set. I, I did not own a drum set. Um, Damn, how did you, know, you practice? The way I got into the band was uh, I had a mixing board. And I was friends with these guys, so I was helping them to record their demo. But after a whole day of uh, trying to record, uh, their drummer just couldn't play. had no sense of rhythm, unfortunately. <laughs> and after he split, I was like, you know, I could, I could probably play those drum parts, man. And I did. And they're like, yeah. And so I was in the band. I felt bad for, for Tim who wasn't in the band anymore. Right. Yeah,
0: I know. You know, sometimes do session work, and you know you're going over another dude's bass parts. It's like, oh my god.
1: Yeah. It's
0: just a, it's a I, weird feeling. But I think in Holland I learned one door closes, another door opens. That's right.
1: Okay. Yeah. So it was funny, I didn't have a kit, but you know, there were some ram there was a ramshackle kit put together for Tim. And then a buddy of mine, uh well, a friend that I met through the singer of the band, Lex Luthor, uh well, aka Lex Luthor, Bob Mullins. Uh he had turned me on to this this drummer. Actually, he's like, Hey, this is my friend CJ. Hey man, can I play your drums? I'm like, sure. He sits down behind this kit, which was a Mickey, had a Mickey Mouse drum pedal. I'm not shitting you, man. A Mickey Mouse drum pedal. I believe it. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it was total punk rock, vinyl tape over all the drum heads. And you know. And he sits down behind this kit, and my jaw hit the floor. I will never forget that memory. This guy was one of the greatest musicians I've ever you know, known.
0: My, my pop told me, a poor carpenter blames his tools.
1: Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, tools do not equal talent, that's for sure.
0: You know how humans and, get into gear fetish, right? All I need is the right shit, and I'll be able to play good. And then, oh, and, then, and then, it, yeah. then, this example comes and shows you bullshit. That's right. 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 Look, you music, gave me this right. uh, music here,
1: Themisto. Th- 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 <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, Themisto. Yeah, it's a moon of Jupiter, or I think. No, it's voice of the eye. Voice right, but eye. I think that's the moon of Jupiter, Themisto.
0: Oh. Oh. I, okay. Yeah. Oh. Not for Pedro, show sure. that chunk of music started with Famisto, but, but could be uh, I Jupiter, right? The Voice <laughs> of I and Thomas D'Amuzio is what I got whoever put that together for And then we had GX uh, Jupiter Larson with uh, BLM about the perma wave 2020 Another nice. tomorrow comp. Uh, Brett Gutzeit out of Milwaukee put this great comp together, a lot of good music, and then finally Dimmer. This is a you did. Uh, Ascent, part one? Yeah. Okay. So what happens after college in uh, California, Pennsylvania, University well, of California, Pennsylvania, I, 99 cents?
1: I had been cramming uh, there, you know, to learn how to read music uh, for, for piano. I could read for clarinet, but not really piano. It's tough to read 10 fingers worth of music. Yep. I still can't do that stuff. But I was cramming to go to Berkeley College of Music, so I did do that. In and, Boston, uh, Massachusetts. In, Massa- in Boston. And, uh, and that was amazing, except uh, it was also very eye-opening, because I already had a distinct direction I was going with kind of noise and sound, and Berkeley had nothing to do with that. You know, <laughs> it was all about music theory based on bebop. Or Rather or fusion. <laughs> or fusion, yeah. The fundamentals were Bebop, two five ones, you know. Right, right. And so it just wasn't the place for me, although I, I stuck it out for a couple semesters. But it was the people I met there that made all the difference. You know, everybody's Everybody, so everybody there was dedicated right? to music. And uh and that kind of rubbed off in a big way, you know.
0: And where do you go from there? From there.
1: From there, I just dropped out and uh, stayed in Boston because I, I kind of preferred the, the scene there. I mean, it was a lot more happening than Pittsburgh. Um, and uh, so I, I stayed there for about 10 years and, you know, started releasing noise and, you know, the music that I that I do. And was, it, uh,
0: was this man alone? Did you get in any it, ensembles?
1: I was not really in any ensembles. This was pretty much solo stuff. I, I, I was still improvising with a lot of my friends and just casual jam sessions. But no bands really came together. I, I tried to get some bands together more in the rock vein. Uh I started playing guitar and uh you know, so it was kinda like, you know, Zeppelin King Crimson kind of influence stuff, kinda tricky time signatures and things. But we never really finished any recordings and, you know, just kind of, I just kept doing uh, my solo thing and uh, I didn't even know there was a noise scene or, or any kind of cassette culture or any of that stuff. I, I uh, like around 87, uh, my wife used to listen to uh, WZBC, Boston College, sure. and at night, They'd play all kind of great music. It was called no commercial potential. You hear Nurse With Wound. You'd hear all kind of great, you know, music. I'm like, what the hell is this stuff? And uh, you never heard of Throbbing
0: like, Gristle?
1: I eventually heard of Throbbing Gristle. No, but up to I, that fact, point,
0: you had.
1: At that point, I didn't really know much beyond the Prague rock music scene.
0: Okay.
1: Because um, when I'd people think of doing, punk,
0: you know especially with 80s and stuff, it's always fast guitar. They don't realize 70s punk, There was they even called it synth punk. Nervous Gender called himself that over here.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it was kind of weird. You know, I called the station, sent him a tape, and uh, one of the DJs wrote back who had a label called Generations Unlimited, and uh, his name was Dave Prescott. And that label put out a lot of Conrad Schnitzler material, Jen Can, um, Arcane Device, um, just a lot of music that I was had never heard of that was kind of like along the same lines that what I was doing. So it was really eye opening. Suddenly I had that cassette that I sent the station was like being released by the small label. And, uh, and then, next thing you know, they're putting out my first record, which was an LP called Headlock.
0: Oh, bitchin'. Look, we're at the end of the second hour, July 13, 2021, edition of Pedro Show. Special guest, Thomas DiMuzio. Hold tight for hour three. July 13, 2021, it's the third hour of Watt Pedro Show.
2: Missing out on all the fun I wake up and see you're stuck In the web I spun While you stare into the void You're in the line of fire It's a sad, sad truth I know what you're looking for Gold underneath these hills That's what they say We're living in a ghost town The ground will soon give way A magical place Thunder rumbles as the trains pass by A peek inside through the door Left a jar Looks like my spinning Is on the run But I'm working my way up You see how far I've come
3: Watch it, watch it, watch it! Watch it, one it, it! it!
0: For Pedro show, start off the third hour with Golden Mean. This is Chris Cutler, Thomas DiMuzio and Fred Firth, and uh, yeah, both. We're talking uh, the socks on Henry Cow, right? The socks on the album covers.
1: That's right. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but how, that, that's quite a connect. I took your name uh, from Holland with the door left ajar. Ron Ruins. We had Rod Anderson. This is him in the Ruins. What did mm-hmm. you say? And then finally another project called Pop-tastic. Are you happy? Yeah.
1: Poptastic.
0: Yeah, enlighten us about the First, what's the connect with the two Henry Cowers?
1: Well, you know, when Headlock came out in 1989, um, I sent that record to three. I had worked at a software company, so maybe I uh, did a taboo thing. I had the addresses of some of my favorite artists. I had Brian Eno um, and uh, John Paul Jones, and Chris Cutler. So I sent the record to all three of them. And Cutler wrote back a week later, a two-page handwritten letter saying that he liked the record and wanted to distribute it on his label. Um, And I was just in heaven. Um, And uh, so, yeah, that established um, our connection. And a few years later, uh, I get a call from Chuck Vertasic. Boy, uh, well, he was formerly known as Chuck fantastic He went by Charles O'Meara, um, and uh, rest in peace, Chuck. Um, yeah. But Alan Ravenstein and Chris Cutler and wow. Chuck were going to the show, and Ravenstein wouldn't come out of retirement.
0: Wow, but I he, I, they, I did see him play together
1: in Perubou, where there was a oh, Scott Krauss,
0: too. It was a two-drummer two man version.
1: Yeah, yeah. So this was ninety. 90- Three, I think okay. and uh, they were trying to get Alan to come out for the show but he he wouldn't do it okay. for whatever reason he's
0: been on the show twice I'm, I'm oh, a huge so cool. fan of him yeah. I
1: gotta thank him because I got the call
0: <laughs> oh to replace him okay
1: yeah. and uh, so we played that was our first show oh, wow. and, uh, and then Chris and I continued to play live shows uh, you know we've played quite a few quite quite many live shows together and you know, many have been documented on different releases, so, so that was a thrill. Man, Chris is such absolute. a great. Absolutely,
0: uh, yeah, I love his playing. I, I'm involved with the recording. He's uh, not allowed to, to record yet in his situation, but uh, it's it's with uh, I think Nels Klein and Wasco, uh, Matt Waskovich in Cleveland's putting it together. But so I'm playing with him by trading files, but at least a little bit I get to play with Mr. Cutler. He's incredible.
1: Fantastic. Now, now how do you great.
0: how do you make it to the port side of the country?
1: Well, um, I was working for these software companies, um, uh, Dr. T's Music Software in in Boston, and uh, Pro Tools comes along really early. And uh, I kind of got suckered into buying Pro Tools at at a very young age. Um, Even before it came out, I wound up putting a bunch of stuff on a credit card at 25% interest and just digging into this world of, you know, digital, this new exciting world of digital. And uh, nonetheless, it didn't work. It didn't work for like a year and a half. And uh, I, I work for Avid now. I actually still work on Pro Tools in my day job. I'm a tester, uh, user abuser. And uh, <laughs> I tell them what's broke and then, then we fix it.
0: I record uh, with it every day, but I never yeah, went past, I never absolutely. went past version 11.3.2.
1: There's been a few versions, but I'm still running ten in my studio. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
0: well, ten is great because of the clips.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, I eventually uh wound up moving across the country uh because of that. Um there was a company called OSC, our shitty corporation, and they made a pro they actually wrote Pro Tools, half of Pro Tools way back when sound design, right? yeah it came from sound it kind of came from sound designer but uh pro tools was its own new thing and these guys at osc they were kind of contracted by digit design at the time to write pro tools they eventually broke off and did their own thing called deck two right and that's how i moved out to california um that small company got acquired by a bigger company called Macromedia, and and they had the money to actually move my wife and I from Boston to San Francisco, and we haven't looked back since. I I never thought I'd wind up on the West Coast, but... But ain't that uh, trippy about life? You don't know how you end up. It's amazing. I mean, the music scene in San Francisco, the Bay Area, is kind of like a mecca for fringe music, for noise, for avant-garde. So this is Uh, where you
0: needed to be all the time. Didn't know it. Uh, yeah.
1: You know, in Boston, I played maybe 10 times in 10 years. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, there weren't many opportunities to play. And I play in Ron Lassard's basement or something or mass college of art would have event works, you know, each year. And, uh, you know, so the gigs were few and far between there were almost no gigs at a, at clubs or anything like that. they were sure. all basement shows. And, uh, but out here, that changed so quickly. I mean, I think my second gig out here was the 30th anniversary of the Monterey pop festival. Wow.
0: Which, I got to play one of those.
2: Yeah. Uh, like, Perkins,
0: I think 2005 or six, we opened up, a th- it was a bunch of dudes s- sitting there in sweaters and we opened up. I said, let's do stooges, <laughs> but then the boss liked it. I thought they were all going to fucking throw us off. Uh, I want you speaking of the city. You gave me a tune called lower. Hate." yeah. for Pedro show last music for this edition lower hate and this is again an excerpt Thomas de and then uh part one and part two I had to rake this baby up it gets too big to fit on yesterday's uh Bachman with uh dark bellow and then finally uh I guess you you remix this Isis but is this the old lady band from the 70s
1: uh, no, this is the band. younger the guys
0: that, that do hard rock. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. This holy is tears, like, holy tears.
1: Yeah, uh, Aaron. Um, oh, geez. I'm but there gonna, was a
0: band in the early 70s, all women, out of the city called Isis. I remember as a oh, teenager. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. Well, I was a teenager. Well, that's why I wanted you on the show, Thomas.
1: So when you got going right now. Right now, man, um, I, I just had a record drop a couple of weeks ago called LCM. It's a solo record, came out on Errado Talks Decodings. Can I and ask LCM, about that,
0: Can I ask you about that, when? When was it? Com-
1: was it combo- uh, composed during this situation? No, um, LCM is a space here, kind of an underground space in, in the Bay Area that puts on noise shows. And they've been doing their thing for about ten years, um, so I've taken my shows that I played there, especially my, you know, I I got into the Buchla modular synth about eight, ten years ago or so. Do and you have your own? I do. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, talk about gear acquisition. <laughs> this is insane, man. I mean, I call it my mod life crisis because. <laughs> You know, I didn't buy a Harley. I bought a spaceship, man. <laughs> um, Transporter <yeah>. machine. <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool, because this record, LCM, for one, you know, it's a great space. It, you know, on a Monday night, you know, you'd see 50 people come out to a show or something. I mean, it was a really great. It's, you know, it's still happening, but, you know, what's happening now since the pandemic, we're just getting back into it, but... um it's nice because I took a bunch of shows from there and kind of comp them into what became this record. Yeah, and, so uh,
0: you're saying like the Miles Smiles, like you got a
1: bunch of material and you start cutting it up and make tunes out of it. Exactly, like Miles, a Tio Mercero. I mean, Miles was so visionary in that way. You know, yeah. like it really opened my eyes when I when I got the Jack Johnson, the complete Jack oh, Johnson. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, right. You know, because he's putting... to When he saw what Tio was doing, or yeah. maybe they were both doing it, but, you know, with Bitches Brew and In a Silent Way with the sure. tape edits, Miles then embraced that and started building source material from small groups that they then cut together to make these records. Right, right. Really and amazing. So visionary at the time. That's the way people use Pro Tools, you know, today. Absolute, absolute, absolute. And, really uh, cool.
0: Because I, 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 at the end of the day... The listener, you know, he doesn't know what's going on behind the curtain, that man behind the curtain. That's right. So, so I think everything is fair.
1: As long as it's compelling and sucks you in, you Absolutely. know. it's, it's yeah. yeah, it's, gotta it's all like fair. That.
0: It's got to be. And, That's the first rule you write, Thomas. Absolutely. Yeah. So where can people find you on the Internet?
1: Well, there's um, the main place would be thomasdemuzio.com. Let's spell it for people that's t h o m a s d i m u z i o dot com and that's got Some of you the know music. A lot
0: of perfect perfect italian name for a musician
1: yes indeed the <laughs> muse yeah uh, the muse though yeah, uh, yeah love it love it well from there you probably got links to go everywhere else there's and, uh, all kinds of stuff there then there's gench uh, dot com g e n c h dot com which features a lot of my uh, engineering work. I do a lot of mastering work. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, did Nels Klein's last record. Oh, wow. uh, the- okay. And, that, mean, uh, that means you must have taken care of your ears. My ears are still good, dude. Um, okay. You know, I bought some earplugs in the early age after I saw a Yes show, which was one <laughs> of the loudest shows ever. I mean, they, they really, you know, you think the swans are loud? Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> It pretty damn loud. No,
0: you you know what? It, the loudest one for me was Deep Purple. Because John Lord didn't just use Leslie's. He used Marshall's, too.
1: That's right. And it's so yeah. legato.
0: I mean, there's no holes. It's just his wall. That's true. <laughs> Man, when you get some new music, will you come back on the show? Because we run out of time here, and I'd love to talk to you about your stuff more.
1: Oh, man, Mike, I'd be honored to do that. And okay. thank you so much for uh, having me on in the first place. Yeah,
0: I, th- I think I, next space opens is in December. So wait, Help me do it. in,
1: dude.
0: You're, count on it! <laughs> right. People, July 13, 2021, edition, Dishwap Pedo so Show. Keep your powder dry.